You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Half hour. Hello, and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here to bring you the casual conversations on the shows and music events, concerts, plays, and things that we see and observe throughout our careers. What we're uh, about to discuss uh, may contain spoilers, so please make sure that you are checking out the show that we're talking about today before listening forward, if you'd like. Um, you have been warned that we will <laughs> have spoilers here. Today we're talking about the Broadway production of The Kite Runner. Mm-hmm. The Kite Runner is playing at the Helen Hayes Theater on Broadway in Manhattan in New York City. Uh, the Kite Runner is, uh, play is adapted by Matthew Spangler, and it's based on the best-selling novel by Khalid Hassani. I think I said that right. I hope I did. Um, and directed by Giles Croft. This was a wonderful production in the West End, coming here to Broadway for a limited engagement till the end of October. Uh, and a lot of people know this book. It's a very famous mm-hmm. book. A lot of people have read this book. I think when we were actually entering the line into the theater, we ran into some people that said, <laughs> have you read this book? And I actually said, no, I have not. So no. just for listeners listening now, we have not read this book going in. So mm-hmm. And actually, that might come up a little later in the podcast. I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, do, how much homework do you do before a show or not before a show? I think that sometimes can really waver. I always say, like, I used to <laughs> – quick story. I used to listen to Avenue Q all the time, the album, like, all the time. <laughs> Prior to going. Prior to going. Mm-hmm. And then I went, and I was, like, kind of like, oh, because I knew it so well going in. I was mm-hmm. like, it was good. But it was like, you know, so I always wonder, like, what what's better to go in blind versus not? And Everything. Everything I know. I know. <laughs> You went and I went in completely blind to this and didn't know anything about the plot, the story, the mm-hmm. book, nothing. And we were able to kind of just dive into it. Like that. I always find that interesting with people, though, because sometimes they're like, oh, you should read the book before you go or you should listen to the soundtrack before you go. And I'm like, listening to the soundtrack is the same thing as yeah, seeing sometimes the show. It is. Yeah, yeah. I get it if you really want to know all of the words, but the way you experience a soundtrack or the way you read a book or the way you see a movie is yeah. the same way yeah. you can see a play yeah. or a musical. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about the kite runner, what are your thoughts overall as a production? Uh, for me overall, I really enjoyed this play. I, like you were saying, I wasn't familiar with this book. I knew about the book. I know that it was a bestseller. I know a lot of people that did read the book. Maybe it was just on my reading list or mm-hmm. maybe it was after me, but uh, for me personally, I thought this was really nice, and it was so important to br- bring a story like this to the stage. 
I think it's really great for us to see a story like this. And I thought they did a really good job with this production. It is a really, really amazing story. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was on the roller coaster of it. And I say that in in a respectful, nice way. It was a nice roller coaster of emotion. Some comedy, some drama, incredible sadness, incredible sense of hope. Yeah. There was a lot going on there, and I felt like that was a nice journey that it took me on. I sometimes see plays that the plot moves so slow. So slow. And I actually really liked the time jumps that we went through. Sometimes you see a play, and it's like the whole play is over the course of one day or something, and it's like, wow, that's a long day. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Whereas like sometimes like when it takes you through a life, it's amazing. And I thought that that, to me, the strongest part of this was the story, bringing this refugee story to a Broadway stage, a mainstream commercial Broadway stage. Bringing the, the this Afghan story and these story as so many Broadway debuts in this cast, mm-hmm. people coming here and telling these stories. That's what it's all about. It's about all cultures being told on the stage, and 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 what an amazing time to bring this story. So I did really enjoy it. The story being what I enjoyed the most. Yeah. And for, for those, sure. just to kind of touch on that, for those that aren't familiar with the story and are listening to this podcast, I did write a little uh, blurb here just to kind of set the setting mm. for this. Um, this whole play is narrated by the main character, Amir. And the actor playing him, Amir, also named Amir. Yeah. Also named yes. Amir. Um, and throughout the play, he's obsessed with his atoned sin he committed as a child, yeah. um, which was in 1970s in Kabul. I think that's how you mm-hmm. say it. Kobol? Kobol, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Amir betray his childhood friend, which is also his servant, and his also his kite runner, who is named Hassan. And because Amir had this desperate need to please his father, he saw something really happen after him and Hassan won the kite running the the, the kite running race, and his f- childhood friend was essentially raped, and right. he turned a blind eye to it. Right. And he has this sin throughout his whole life. And he never now. spoke up about it, and it crumbled their friendship. And then you find out the things about the father and that that's actually his stepbrother or his half-brother, rather. And then later you find out he's passed on and the son and the son comes back. I mean, it's just an amazing story. And it takes you on twists and turns. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what a journey. It's such a journey. And I think in Act 1 alone, we there's so much meaning in Act 1. And there's so much lesson learning in Act 1. I think, like, for you... As a director, sometimes I like to get your director opinion yeah. on this. What? Do, how do you think they, the director set the scene or the tone of this play just from the beginning? Well, I think that there were some really strong things. And then I think there were things that could have been improved on. Mm-hmm. Having the drummer there, the drummer is the um, t- tabla artist, right? Mm-hmm. On stage the whole time playing. The, there was... There was recorded music played in and out and then there was the drums and then there was the bowls they were spinning and the wind whips and things like that that was amazing i think that really set you in you could almost close your eyes and hear and feel that's amazing direction in that perspective having the drummer there the whole time is like the onstage audience member watching they were watching the whole time Mm -hmm. and playing the drums that was really really special to me Things that I thought could have maybe changed a little bit. A lot of the direction was like front and center always. Yeah. I liked the kite coming in and out as a projection, like that kind of broke up the stage a little bit. So it wasn't a bare stage the whole time. And I liked that half pipe style flooring. 
the entrances and exits on that were kind of cool. Yeah. But there was something about everything being front and center always. And I'm like, we couldn't pull anything down right, down left, up left, add some dimensions, some levels, some different. I thought there could have been some more artistry in some of that and just take us on some different. And it just seemed to always be front and center all the time. I just thought that that got a little monotonous at times, a little a little Totally, steady. especially because it's throughout the whole show. And he really is narrating the whole show. Yeah, it's so a I, lot on him to be like, he's in a white shirt center always for yeah. two and a half hours. And to me, I'm like, oh, I know maybe a costume change is necessary, but bring him throughout. Have him sit on the edge of the stage and talk to the audience a little bit maybe. Maybe have him stand way up in the back on a big... I don't know. I would have liked some levels. I would have liked some different levels because the story took you on levels. It did. And so I would have appreciated a little bit more of encompassing, maybe put this in the round, maybe put it in three quarter thrust, maybe get some audience interaction, maybe bring us in, maybe dance the actors in and out a little more in some traditional way. To me, I would have appreciated that a little bit more, maybe not a lot more, but just a little bit more. I'm starting to realize something with you. Okay, tell me why. <laughs> you love everything to be in the round. I like immersion. <laughs> I find theater to be immersive. You want to be... everything to be in the round. Because sometimes <laughs> I find like corny, cheesy theater to make complete sense in the proscenium. Like we're watching the play yeah. and there it is. And then when it comes to this, this is not that. This is immersion. You've taken me on. Okay, I'm going to go there with the cheesiness. I'm on a kite yeah. this whole time. Okay, sure. And we are running the kite and running after it. And we are the kite. Take us. I I know maybe there was a part of me that was like seeing the kites physically, but also in the projection were nice. But put a really big kite over the audience, maybe. Maybe that would have been too Disney. I know. I know. Mm. I did like the, um, I, I did, sometimes mm. I would have liked more actual kite. That's just me. Okay. Mm. I know. I know. I thought there was something in the artistry of having the projections of the kite yeah. and having the people holding the no, kite. No, I, I liked it. I did like that too. Yeah. In that way, it's the suspension of disbelief of what's actually there versus what's not. There's real movement yeah. of choreo happening around that. I actually, uh, for me, I kind of didn't mind it being front and center. Okay. Because I knew when he was front and center that that was not reality anymore that mm-hmm. was him narrating and telling us the story in that way it was kind of filmic in a in a sense that he's up here and he's talking to us directly and then when he has to go back into the scene that's when he's not there anymore right and i thought it was i thought it was a great choice to make the same actor play him throughout the whole yeah. thing because you feel an emotional connection to now this person on stage. Yes. And it's not, oh, there was the little boy. You know, what we're seeing trending in Broadway right now is like three shares, three Donna Summers, three, you know. And so, okay, that didn't need to happen here. And I'm glad that it was this one person because he played youth very well and he played older, mature very well. I thought he did that. Re- He's an amazing actor. I said his name earlier, Amir Arasan. Really, really stunning stuff he was really doing great. in this. And for me, it also is like, is th- did he write this book? You know, for yeah, us. Yeah, you wonder that. Is this him and he wrote his story and that's why he's telling it to us in that mm. way. And that's why he's playing the role throughout. It kind of would make sense. Right. There is also, though, I will say something about if I didn't know this was a book before, I would have left there saying, is this a book? <laughs> because, <laughs> because it felt at times like someone was reading a book to me. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was like scripty 
And at times it felt like, and now we're on chapter four. I, I, I did feel like there was a slight stiffness in scene change because it felt a little in scene to change. Me. Yes, I didn't it's feel like, like it flowed. Yeah, like now we turn the page. Like the next thing missing would have been him holding a book because, like, I felt like that's how close we were to like the narrator into the woods reading a book. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just, and maybe that was done purposefully that this was going to be book esque. And that it was going to be like reading the book. I think that's the style. And that's okay. To me, I was just a little like, okay, we're, I don't want to say dragging, but we're getting a little stiff here. Because it was like scene over, scene begins. Instead of flow the scenes, flow the scenes. To me, that was just my personal take on it. Hmm. Yeah. I wanted to bring something up to you that I was finding in my research after seeing this show that was kind of what you touched on a little bit before and what the music represents throughout. Mm. A little interesting fact is that music is currently banned in Afghanistan. Oh, you, uh, So for them to incorporate music in this, I think, was really strong, really strong <clears throat> important, and powerful. And actually, the actor who we saw last night um, playing, his name is Salar Nadar. Mm-hmm. He was interviewed saying the following, Afghan music has not been introduced to the West yet. And at its like full-blown capacity, we're just scratching the surface now, and you don't get to hear it coming out of Afghanistan right mm. now. Um, but those of us who are here, like here in America, it's our duty to play and perform and speak the language of the music. Mm. So I found hearing him say that and those words, it just really, like, if I knew going into this show that that's what the music really represents throughout the show, I would have received it very differently. But I already knew it to be very powerful because how do we know Afghan music? Right. We don't know it right. in this country. Right. And now to find out that it's banned, like, could you imagine living in a world without music? Right. Like, that would be terrible. It's so much, such a big part of culture, and that's why putting music in this made complete sense, for sure. Yes. And to hear it and to bring those sounds, you know, the Tibetan bowls that they're playing throughout, like, and every time those bowls came onto the stage, mm. it was when Amir was dealing with a moment that he knew he had to make a decision, a good decision, and he couldn't. And that's when his half-brother that we found out later, Hassan, always stood up for him. And that was such a powerful thing as well. There was also like Shakespearean feel to it. Mm -hmm. There was biblical feel to it. There was this like um, rooted, dramatic... When when, um, the son... Sarab, so the same actor, which another really smart move, I thought, mm-hmm. from a casting perspective, to have Hassan and Sarab be the same, the, the, the son, the same actor. When he's bleeding out and in the hospital and they, he thinks he dies, I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this in the plot. I was like, oh my gosh, this is Shakespearean, this is tragedy. And I was like, wow. And then he, that he lived and that he took him, it, it was just, it just felt so rooted in a really good dramatic place Mm -hmm. for me. And it didn't seem fake or rushed. Everything seemed like it had its poised moments. And I thought that was really, really special. Right. And also leading from that moment into him praying and not being a practicing. Yes. And turning to prayer. And turning to that where he's really praying to his God that he really wants him to live and that he needed that in his moment. That was such another powerful moment because it's kind of interesting. We can go into the uh, something I wanted to talk about. Really, is like the whole play of religion here, mm. and how 
in a country like Afghanistan, as he was growing up, he was part of one religion and his servant was part of another mm. religion mm. and they didn't like each other. And mm. one was more powerful the, uh, than the other, mm. which we later kind of find out that the religion that he was part of really kind of turned, most of those people turned into the Taliban and took over the country. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I found something that was so interesting is these kids all learned. And something that I'm finding to be a common theme in a lot of the shows we're seeing recently is like, what the kids learn right. and how they present themselves to the world yeah. after. And I'm watching this and it's like, if you're rich, you have servants and those people, you know, are in that leg of the world and I'm in this leg of the world and you can't do this and I can't do that, but we can do this together, but we can't do that together. And what I found so powerful was the bully child in the, um, the area, Asef, Asef, um, mm-hmm. He really embodied what it meant to be have power and to be part of the religion mm-hmm. as much as kind of raping right. um, Hassan right. and then kind of turning away from it. Even though some of the other guys of the religion were like, no, I shouldn't do that. They say that's a sin or whatever. Right. So it makes me wonder, like, did those guys that he was with – turned to the Taliban or was it just him? And later we find out, okay, he's now come to that and he doesn't mind killing people and he doesn't mind taking the anger Mm. out. Why? Because it's what his religion tells him to do. And the generations of those sectors of religion too Mm -hmm. and how different the fathers acted from the sons and the daughters. Um, Speaking of daughters, when you bring up like the wife, Soraya, and how – you see how strict her, even in America, even in the future, the father being so strict with her in that monologue she has where she tells that story of, um, you can't even talk to me here right now. And right. he ripped his story up. It it does talk about how certain faiths and religions and cultures of people have some really strict, you know, you can look at that anywhere. There's very strict Catholicism in, in mm-hmm. elders there, you look at Italian culture, Irish culture, so many other cultures, there's strict, rooted heritage in older generations. And some of those do pass down into the younger generations. And then you see some generations, you know, it's amazing to see, like, what refugees in the 70s and the 80s into the 90s in America were dealing with. There's that comedic relief moment of the 80s and the beginning of Act 2, and everyone's like, the 80s yeah. in America, and how much of a culture shock that was. For refugees coming here. But too. even as a culture shock, it, it's so interesting to see him and his father, Baba and Amir, come here. And they're rich in their country. Yeah. And they come here and they're completely poor. Yeah. And I always try to understand that because if someone here today who's rich in America left and went to another country, are they still rich? Well, it depends on the dollar value in the country that we are talking about, right? And it depends on the country. Right. And because they left the country to seek... Um, asylum and yeah. to be a refuge and get into America, did they lose everything or they just couldn't take it with them? Well, it depends. Yeah. Well, it also depends on what were they leaving? They had wealth there, but they were leaving an unsafe place. Yeah. And they knew that America was a safe place. And how many times do we hear about refugees over the border and the Mexico border and and that crisis that we're dealing with as a country with so many people who need to come here, who need help and we want to help. But then you hear about this from a Middle Eastern country and it brought us right up to 9-11 in 2001 and and the war and and this play went there. 
Yeah. It didn't, and you're sitting in Manhattan hearing this story. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really, really amazing. I wanted to talk also really quick about the kite runner. Yeah. Why do you think kites were such a symbol here in this play? And the kite runner being Hassan, you know, if we're talking about that, what does that mean? You know, they talk about to chase the kite. You would run, and Hassan always got the kite. When everyone ran in this direction, Hassan ran in the other direction because he knew he would get the kite. I have some thoughts on it from a theatrical perspective, but why do you think this is called the kite runner and what the kite means to the play mm, and the book? I feel like I'm going to pass that to you. Oh, okay. Because I feel like you already have a Yeah, I have a, thing thing, I I have a vision hear. for it. I have a thought for it. <laughs> Kites are impre- uh, um, unpredictable. Okay. And at a, and at a moment's notice, they can fly in one direction and fly in the other. Hassan and the friendship that Hassan had with Amir was so steady mm. until it wasn't. And it became so unpredictable the way it fell apart. And the rest of their his life carrying that sin, was he was he the kite runner? Was Hassan always the kite runner? Did Amir become the kite runner chasing after the kite? To find out that he died, the regrets that he had, the journey itself was like the journey of a kite. Mm. And wasn't kite flying banned then at one point in Afghanistan? They say that in the, they said, we can't fly kites anymore here. That's something we have to stop. And how simple the task is. I could go outside right now and fly a kite. Mm. And how simple that is, yet how unpredictable it is is, I think, a reflection of this person's story and how completely unpredictable this journey was. Even the son, Sarab, and how he was in orphanages and then not. And then he can go to America, but no, he can't. That's like a kite whipping through the wind, too. I find the kite to be really symbolic here of the journey. Mm. And that's just my take Mm. on it. I think that's really poetic. I like it. It's good. I I actually completely see what you're saying now, the the kite is almost the relationship because there's mm. two people together and we see the relationships Holding. throughout yeah. this whole piece, you know, them together, Amir and Hassan had a great relationship and they were able to do things together until they couldn't. And when that happened, the kite was cut. And how many, and then like, you know, this you could be pushing the metaphor a little bit, but when I, how many times, how difficult is it sometimes to get a kite up in the air? And yeah. that can be, it falls, you got to go get it. It can be cumbersome and challenging, you right? Know, like a relationship kite, can be. This relationship being put into the world. And then what do your relationships meet along the way? When we saw things like their relationship, Amir and Hassan, meeting with the other kids in the town, they had to tackle them all. Yeah. And they had to cut them all until they were cut. Yeah. Yeah. And... You see it with his relationship with his wife, building that relationship. And then you have to see it again when he's building his relationship with his nephew. He had to rebuild that relationship. And as he got the kite up in the air, that's when it finally he got a smile out of him. Mm. And that's when they started Mm. working together Mm. in a relationship. And it could could be. I mean. And the, the play is not called The Kite. The play is not called The Kite Flyer. The kite is the play is called the kite runner. Yeah, and I think there's something really special about that because Hassan was the greatest kite runner, mm-hmm. and what a special person that was in the early part of his life. And to take his son now and raise him, mm-hmm. what a just an amazing message that ball. 
And to come full circle. Yeah. You know, being friends, learning out all of, learning all of these details about his life after the fact, and then being like, oh, okay, now it's time for me to raise my half brother's son. Yeah. It's a beautiful story to tell live on a stage for sure. Um, and one other thing I wanted to bring up, because I know we're getting closer, um, that the Kite Runner is, a proud, is proud to partner with non-for-profit organizations supporting refugees, providing humanitarian relief, and building a better future for communities across the globe. So we had gotten a little slip in the uh, playbill here that says a portion of ticket sales through benefits, fundraisers, and special sales initiatives will support the following entities. The Khalid um, Hassan, ha- Hassani Foundation. Um, USA for UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, Welcome US, and Women for Women International. So to hear all these organizations being supported from the ticket sales and the support of this play and the awareness that this play is bringing to these organizations is astonishing, is wonderful, is what art, the arts and theater is all about. And being seeing refugees supported through the arts artistically on stage and then being supported financially through don- sales initiatives it all comes full circle for me and is an amazing thing. It totally comes full circle. And I think it really actually brings and sheds light to a group of people that we've kind of always been kind of taught like, oh, these were the people that did this, you know, at like 9-11. And for us to see that, and it's like, no, these were not the people. These are just the people of Afghanistan. The people that took over the country are the ones that did that at 9-11. But that was never really taught to us. Or that terrorism yeah. is, asso- is associated with this specific group um, and not all people of a country, right? And so right. as a child, you're growing up with learning about terrorism and you needing, and needing to learn the differences, mm-hmm. right? Because not all of one place is a specific, you know. Yeah, right, and not all people are bad. Right. You know, so that's why it was super interesting to see. And like you said, too, seeing this in New York and seeing all the people around, I think everyone was really moved by this piece. Yeah, I agree. The audience seemed to be really encompassed in it. And it was actually one of the first times also I saw a play where Act One was shorter than Act Two. (laughs) It was, it was like Act Two was like, it seemed significantly longer. And I was like, oh, that's different too. Um, And I say that too. that this story was so important to, and everyone was kind of really thrilled by it was because I found the story to be super relatable. Yeah. Just because there, these people are doing everything the same and everything that we relate to normally, wanting to please your parents, wanting to please your spouse, wanting to do the right thing. Can you do the right thing? Et cetera. Right. Yeah. You know, which was really, really great. I actually, um, one thing that I was actually quite moved by was seeing the just the lighting and the art throughout the show. There was some beautiful um, projection art in the background too, mm-hmm. and that fence wall in the back was beautiful. The right, light because lighting. do you want to know what was interesting with that fence? Is like the fence looked like is something that you would probably see in Afghanistan right now, but then it also looked like a city skyline. Yeah, it became the city with it was lighting like, change. Yeah. Oh, okay, so this is where he was versus what he now has come to yeah. and what he has now learned. Yeah. And the way that they brought down, like the just like the fabric coming down and telling the story through art and henna mm. um, and seeing the trees in that way, I yeah. thought the projections were really nice. Yeah, like that. yeah really know. special. And they had the ensemble piece, the uh, the actors were the musicians, they were the set changers, they were the people in multiple roles. Some people were playing three or four or five roles mm-hmm. in the show, and I like that ensemble feel too. And bringing that culture too, even when you have something like the wedding, and seeing yeah. the colors that they use, and the dress, it, it just... It really looked nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful aesthetically, for sure. For sure. Totally. So, yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, oh we're out of time. <laughs> Running out of time. So overall thoughts and conclusions on The Kite Runner on Broadway. Uh, my overall thoughts. Let's see. I think that this is a great piece for, you know, the average theater goer to go see, but also not the average theater goer. Yeah. I think that this is a great piece to see this summer while we're in our change over into the next yeah. season. And I really think that there's a beautiful message throughout the story. There's a learning, a lesson to be learned, and it's great for families. It's great for all people to yeah. go and see. Go learn a lesson, embrace it, and enjoy it. I would say the same thing. Like I said earlier, I maybe I would have made some different directorial choices. I feel like at times it was a little stiff feeling, it was a little long, but overall, this story is important. It, putting it on stage live eight times a week, and it is a limited run. It's playing to the end of October, so you have plenty of months to go see it. Um, it it's, it's important. I say that about a lot of the shows we see. I feel yeah. like it's important. We have to be telling these stories. Broadway is a place for everyone. I say this all the time. Every story can be, should be, and I do firmly believe will be told. Mm-hmm. When you see stories like this, a story that I've never really seen something like this, right? When we talked about Strange Loop a few weeks ago, the same thing. I think it's really important to be telling all stories and bring back the revivals and bring back the comedy, drama, everything in between, the stars and then and the, there was no, you know, everything in between. This was just like one of those pieces that make you think and sit there and just to hear another story. You know, and it makes me want to read the book. It does. It really does, actually. And I, I, I'm shocked I never did. And yeah. so I really want to now. So it, this is actually kind of like another one that goes into the group of we're seeing a few like more book to mm-hmm. stage adaptations. Well, so many people always say like, "Oh, Broadway's full of movies on Broadway, movies on Broadway." Well, first of all, a lot of movies started as books. Yeah. And when everyone says like, "What happened to the original stories on Broadway?" Like, you know, all those old classic Golden Age shows are usually based on books. It used, that's how Broadway really started so long ago. Mm-hmm. A lot of Roger Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe, those big musicals started as books. West Side Story is based on Romeo and Juliet, everyone. Like, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So I think to realize that here's a book on stage. Yeah. It, it translates. It's a story, yeah. right? And movies are stories, too. We're just you know seeing a lot more of that lately, but bringing a book to the to the to the main stage is really right. But even something similar to this was like Curious Incident or yeah. um, what was that play we saw in the winter? Oh, I don't remember. The Little Prince. Oh, the Little Prince. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, that came translated to the stage too. Yes, yeah, yeah. famous books and bringing bringing these books to life. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool to see. It's all very very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening today to our episode of The Kite Runner on Broadway at the Hellenese Theater. It's playing till the end of October. If you want to go check that out, it's a really, really special, special play. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening. Please go to make sure you check us out on all our social media handles at Half Hour Podcast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, through Two Worlds Entertainment. Um, so make sure you check us out. Comment, subscribe to us on Apple Music and Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and let us know what you'd like to hear next. We got, you know, as you've been hearing these last few weeks, alternating between Broadway and pop, some new shows coming, a lot of new theater coming this fall. We're going to be really pushing those podcasts out this fall with all the new shows. <laughs> and of course, new pop music at summer and into yeah. the fall, a great time for new music as well. All new things, um, which is great. So keep listening, keep engaging with us. We'd love to hear from you. So that's all for today. Getting ready to sign off until next time. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying ta-ta. Bye. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.